Hi everyone, welcome to Sad Girls Club episode 45. Um, my name is Zuri, my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Gwen, my pronouns are also she and her. This is going to be an episode about, well our two, they're both general topics, no news. Um, the first is about um, fake diversity and racial capitalism, especially in like advertisements and in like college admissions, propaganda and stuff. And the second one is about journey the journey to college for students who basically aren't rich um and are happen to be of color sometimes and before all that we're going to talk about we've been listening to reading watching how lifestyle causation has been affecting us for the past week or few since we did skip a week it's been a while yeah wait when's the last time we recorded actually i can't um remember. the fifth of june oh oh my god true yeah because i was sick although i'm actually sick <gasps> again but no. let's do it i know is that it do you want to uh, talk about that stuff yeah <laughs> so listening to it's this is an interesting mix you guys because i'm gonna start out i've been listening to melodrama i'm like a lore oh was I like a lord? I think I was. Okay, so here's the thing. I was one of those chitches that was like, I heard of them before you did, so I'm better than you with Lord. Back in the day, like, I remember listening to like her really, really early on. It was probably like either late 2011, early 2012. It was when she had like an AP out on Spotify. And maybe it was 2012 because I got on Spotify on twenty in 2012. And she had an EP out and it had like bravado, all these other songs. And I was like, okay, yes, I was showing her to people. And then she had her, whatever the next album was. Pure oh yeah, heroine. Pure Heroine. Or is it just... I feel like that's what it was called. Yeah, it was that, which I liked. It was fine. Um, but then like it was getting too overplayed, so I was over it. But then I listened to Melodrama and I was obsessed. I'm like, OMG, I love Heart... What is it called? Heartbreak, Loveless, Heartless, Loveless, whatever oh, yeah. that song is. That one's so good. Hard, I hard love, feelings. Hard feelings, loveless. Yes, that one is so yeah. freaking good. I'm like, ugh, just all of her songs I feel like are so good for like an annoying film, you know, like a, a film that I will still oh, love, yeah, but definitely. like it's annoying. Yeah. That's um, so true. <laughs> so I like that album. And then I've been listening, obviously, to Wild Thoughts. I tried listening to that whole album, and I didn't like it. I listened to it yesterday. I was, like, I mean, it's so long, it's hard to tell, like, which songs I liked and which songs just sounded like the song before. But, like, I did like it, but I was also, like, when is this going to be over? And, like, a lot of them do obviously sound the same. Yeah, like, the last half of the album, to me, sounds pretty much similar. Like, every Future song on that album sounds the same and I feel like he was in two or three like I knew that I heard ones that I was like this is a bop but like I couldn't tell you yeah the name of it <laughs> which ones they were <laughs> yeah but obviously like I love wild thoughts I love oh the best song the last song on the album what's it called it's like a sod's interlude or something oh yeah <laughs> it was so good and I love all the twitter discourse about how a sod is never crying because that is oh, so, true. so true has a sod ever shed a tear oh my he's God, never crying and like meanwhile blast. like every time you saw North west she was crying and i'm like is it just because kim is like not a supportive mom i don't know oh well i feel like the the little one of kim saint is like pretty chill all the time too that's true maybe this is like me like being a misogynist for calling out <laughs> but <laughs> that little baby never cries so i'm just shocked but yes 
I was listening to that. And then I was listening to Little Mix, um, which is weird. Oh, really? Because I consider them. I've never listened to them. Well, I only listened to one song called Touch, and it's such a bop. Like, I was so obsessed. Because I kind of consider them like a second rate. Um, what's the band? Great Value like? Fifth Harmony. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have never listened to them, but, like, I love Fifth Harmony, so I'm like, maybe I would like them. Yeah, yeah. So I gave them a chance, and Touch by Little Mix is a bop. I highly recommend. And then this is going to probably put me, like, down a couple steps on people's ladders. But I've been listening to a Post Malone song that I'm obsessed with. What the hell? <laughs> I don't even know any of anything about him. I didn't know anything about Post Malone be besides he was ugly. But I started listening to this song called, what's the name of it? I listen to it every day, but I don't. No Option. So No Option by Post Malone is a bop. Highly recommend listening to it. Is he a rapper? Yeah, I guess he's like a white rapper. But this song is Mm. like poppy. Like it's not like rappy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But that's pretty much it. Oh, and then another plug. I did this plug last time, but like YKW, you know what? The podcast. It's so funny. Like if you're one of those people that like likes to talk and meme and like when you're with your friends, you're like, have you seen that tweet or have you seen that meme? Then you will love YKW. Like I love those kids. They're so funny. And yeah, like deaf listen to that. So for reading, honestly, again, I'm not reading. I <laughs> um I like have been That's doing so like grad school forum reading. Like I consider that reading. Like it's not a novel or any sort of book, but I don't know. It just takes me so long to read and like listening to stuff is so much easier. I did buy um Roxane Gay's Hunger on audiobook. So I'm going to start listening oh, cool. to that. Um I mean maybe it would be better like if I just read it, but that's going to take me forever and I may not might never finish it if I did buy the book. So I'm like, maybe I'll just listen to it. Uh, for watching, so I've been rewatching Sex in the City and Ugly Betty because y'all know I love like a comfort rewatch. Um, and then for new stuff, I've been watching PLL and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, like fully oh, yeah. like chef's kiss, Italian, <laughs> amazing. Like it was so good. Like, just the Linda from HR, that entire thing was so good. When Titus <laughs> when Titus goes to that company and he's like, can I speak to Linda from HR? And the receptionist is like, which one? <laughs> and then when he's talking to all the Lindas and he's oh like, so like, were you guys named Linda from birth? From like, you as a child or like, what's the deal? And he's, they're like, oh, man, it was my middle name whatever and then one of them was like (laughs) 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 i changed my name to linda to compete in the hr market (laughs) 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 but you were right i remember last time you were like yeah i love seeing all the friendships develop and that's so true because kimmy is like kind of off on her own this season Right. It's like, I love to see um, Jacqueline call up Titus. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's important. That episode when, like, Titus and that man were fighting over her. Oh, my God. I yeah. loved it. 
<laughs> it was so good. Or oh boobs in God. California, like, oh yeah. I was thinking about. Well, when I like saw the episode, I was like, I actually want that on my summer playlist. Like, is that on Spotify? I looked like, for it, it but thanks. it wasn't. And I'm like, well, Pinot That's Noir crazy. was on there, right? They need to mark. Yeah, that. so I'm like, like people want to listen to that. So freaking good. So yeah, it was just a phenomenal seize. I loved even like the stupid episodes, like the bathroom one of the gas station bathroom. I do you remember that one? Don't even remember. No, <laughs> that one was one of the stupider ones, but I did like that. Or when Kimmy started freaking out about people googling her, I'm like, same. Like I don't want people oh googling me and finding it. I mean, even though there's nothing to know, I haven't done. Shit. I literally recently googled myself and my like her campus interview came <laughs> up. I'm like, fucking yikes. <laughs> yikes yes but that's kimmy plo ends tomorrow series finale so i'm a little bit upset um it's a show for teenagers and i'm a 22 year old woman that is obsessed with it and checks reddit for theories every single day so a piece of me is dying but yeah that's for it for watching so for colonization like it has been three weeks so there's kind of a lot so i was just thinking about like what popped into my head earlier today and so everyone knows about Snap Maps if you're like trendy and on Twitter. So I was just thinking a lot about like surveillance. What if someone doesn't know about okay. it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that all of our listeners are 19. Um, so Snap Maps is a new feature from Snapchat. They're like trying to catch up to Instagram stories, which like honestly, Snapchat, you're over. But like they did this thing. They launched this new thing where once you like you pinch like your screen and it shows you like bitmojis like if people have made a bitmoji and connected to snapchat it shows you bitmojis at like people's exact locations like it's like street names and it like shows you like i was listening to music earlier and i checked my snap map and it showed my little bitmoji listening to music and I was like, oh, wow. uh, what? And it apparently <laughs> shows you, like, driving. Because I saw people on Twitter, like, screenshotting Oh, yeah, because it has driving. the miles per hour thing. Yeah, I'm like, what the so hell? It like, it, like, knows everything. So it was freaking yeah, me out. Crazy. And, like, I, like, set it up so only a couple people can see me anyway. And, like, I can't see anyone. I can sometimes see you and I can sometimes see my brother and sometimes my mom. Even my mom puts herself Yeah, there was, like, no one. I don't even <laughs> use Snapchat. I just, like, download it to see them out. And there were, like, only five people on it. So yeah. I was like, okay. I'm sure a lot of people, like, went hidden. And I understand that, but for like, sure. it's also funny. Yeah, it's if funny it's just your just, friends. Yeah, like, for sure, because it can definitely get dangerous, and that's what I was thinking. And like, people were right. Yeah. Are this is not new information or like new discourse, but people talking about how like if you are in an abusive relationship with someone, and they're like, right. I have to have your location at all times. This makes it a lot easier for them to know exactly where you are. And I'm not sure how quickly it updates, but it still is updating depending on I don't know. Because sometimes it's like six hours ago they were here. And other times it's right, like yeah, 10 yeah, minutes ago. So I'm not really sure like what that process is like. But I don't know. Like that was like seeing my little chitch listening to music and like the car <laughs> thing. Like that crazy. freaks me out so badly. And like obviously like the NSA is reading all of our group chats. Like every time we're talking shit like they know they have all the tea. But like the NSA is <laughs> like damn bitch you live like this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like and I feel like a lot of us just like 
laugh about it to cope, which is my favorite coping mechanism. It's just right, making yeah. jokes out of it. And I will RT, like, have you seen those tweets where it's like, I know this big queen got some tea, and it's like the NSA as they're reading my, um, <laughs> they're tapping into my phone. And I'm like, I will definitely RT that tweet, but... I don't know. It like all of this is freaking me out, especially because I was listening to I listened to a couple feral audio podcasts and they do like ads for some of their other podcasts. And one of their new ones is called Tapped. And like literally this is from their website. It's real recorded conversations that have been reviewed by the NSA and found to have no discernible threat to national security. We all know the government is listening to our conversations for the first time you can listen to. And that's like a podcast. Wow. And so, so yeah. And so I like, I haven't listened to it. Maybe I will. But like I saw uh, what the little descriptions for each episode were. And it's like a man is talking to someone in a cabin. Like two people meet for like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, this is just, these are literally people's lives that like Mm -hmm. you can listen to. And that's the allure of it. And that's just terrifying to me. I don't, it's just not something i'm interested in really like i'm obviously nosy but like this isn't this isn't cute like i don't know and it reminds me of this like piece that i've been trying to write but also just a concept that i've been thinking about about like what our obsession with something like true crime means in like this age of mass incarceration and how more broadly mediums like social media or like something like a podcast which are like relatively new contribute to pop culture and how we think about like and how we deal with these legacies of colonization like surveillance incarceration like I like they're just becoming just more and more normalized and mm-hmm. I don't and I, I just feel like people are less and less inclined to especially as they're serving the interest of not only those in power but even like someone who isn't necessarily in power but is an abusive like man like I don't know like so that's just what I've been thinking about for the past probably two days um so yeah sorry it took forever Zer. <laughs> um let me see so I've been listening to like you I've been listening to Lord I, my favorites are the Louvre Louvre is so good hard feelings like you said homie dynamite and I also like the little I don't know if it's an interlude or whatever, but it's like sober two, not so. I mean, sober one is oh, yes. Like fine. Yes, yes, sober, sober two, two melodrama, so good. Right, yeah, it's so good. Um, and then I've been listening to SZA, um, which came out a few weeks ago at this point. Um, it's so good. I I've listened to it like a hundred times. I just like have it on repeat. My favorite song is Normal Girl, but like I like in the middle, it goes from it goes to Go Gina up until Normal Girl. Like I feel it's just Bob after Bob. <laughs> She's so cute. I love her. And then I'm, of course, working on my summer 2017 playlist. It's called It Was a Queer and Sultry Summer, which is like wow. the first line from the bell jar. Um, and then I'm reading, naturally, like you're reading nothing. I'm reading three books. <laughs> um, so the book I just read was called We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. It's like, um, uh, it's her second like memoir short essay. Her first one is called Meaty. She is just like, it's like really a situation like you'll laugh, you'll cry, like oh. just feeling every emotion. I really, um, 
like her writing. I used to read her blog, Bitches Gotta Eat, and then like she came out with these memoirs. They're so good. Um, and then the second book I'm reading, also a memoir by a woman of color. That's like all I read. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like memoir short essay because like these are both young writers um it's called one day we'll all be dead and none of this will matter but like on the cover like some of the words are like crossed out so I'm like is this book really called one day this will matter like don't really know um but it's by Sachi Cole she's like a um is that a twitter uh she writes for BuzzFeed Canada Mm. and she's a like Canadian Indian Indian Canadian I don't know like how they say that probably Indian Canadian because African American um (laughs) and she actually like I have been following her on Twitter, like, reading things that she's written for BuzzFeed, and she wrote on um, one of the essays that we talked about on this very pod. Ah, oh, which um, one? The one about, like, when the nose will be oh, a part of body positivity. One yeah. of my favorite and I don't discussions. remember what episode that, or what number it was, but the episode is called Rivers Filled with White Women's Chairs, because <laughs> it's the one about <laughs> Taylor Swift being exposed by Kim K. Oh, wow. I um, yeah, but we talk about that essay that she wrote. It's really great. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, like, halfway through that right now. I really like that as well. Um, and then I'm listening on audiobook to, um, Looking for Alaska by John Green. It's, like, a kid's book, but it's, like, a fave. Like, I read that book hella times. Like, I have a tattoo of it. I, like, have a signed copy. I met the author when I was young. I, like, wrote a college essay for, like, an honors program that I did get into (laughs) about this book. Like, I really stand for it, even though... Like, it's a YA book, and I've, like, talked about before how, like, I did age out of it. Um, but I'm listening to the audiobook because, like, spoiler alert, this book is, like, 12 years old, but, like, someone dies in it. And I feel like I like, like, how the characters deal with that. I'm currently bereaved, so I thought it would be helpful to, like, reread that. I couldn't find my copies, but I do have the audiobook. <laughs> so that's why I'm listening to that. Um, it's, like, hard to find time to listen to an audiobook, like, in a day, though. Really? So I... Yeah, I, like, don't know when, because I'm always, like, either, like, watching TV or, like, listening to music or mm, okay, whatever. I so. so I only have been listening to that, like, when I cannot sleep. Um, And then I'm watching, so I'm, like, obviously watching all my fave shows I talk about every week. Um, But the new show that I watched last week, I watched Queen Sugar. It was on Hulu. I'm not sure if it's still on. The new season is on, but I don't have, like, Oprah Network. I don't know oh. if it's going on Hulu after it comes on, but I'm like, how the fuck can I watch the show? Is it one of those um, shows that comes on, like, every week at, on Hulu? Is it just, like, well, after the the whole thing season? was streaming because the new season, like, just started last oh. week. So I'm not sure, you know, if it goes on Hulu because it's on the Oprah Network and, like, I don't know if yeah, those shows are on have, like, Hulu. Yeah. I haven't even checked. It just started last week. Um, but it's, like, about, like, these three siblings whose dad dies, and they, like, inherit his sugarcane farm, and they, like, decide to become farmers and, like, tend to it. Or, like, farm managers, like, whatever. Okay. It's, like, obviously, like, very dramatic, like, sad, like, a lot of family dynamics. Like, it's it's not, like, a soap opera, but it's, it's like, not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that like Ava DuVernay is somehow involved and I think she directs up but it's really good like I really liked um I like sped through it um and then I just like wanted to mention like The Bachelorette I know they're doing two episodes this week they're like really getting into it I only watched it on like rerun I never have watched it live but my favorites I just wanted to mention like my favorite of the black dudes is Kenny my favorite of the whites is a gap tooth bitch Peter OMG I'm gel that I can't relate to this I love 
but yeah maybe i should watch the bachelorette but did you hear all the shit about like bachelor in paradise yeah like i don't even know what that is but like i did hear about that because that guy was actually on this season (gasps) he was like one of the first ones eliminated because he like had a girlfriend and she like came and like Wait, she, she like I disrupted the show at one of their like competitions so like uh, already off bat I was like he's garbage but then it came out that the girl was lying and like honestly of course she was like why would the film or like camera people film a rape and just be okay with it it's like yeah, you were lying absolutely um, yikes um but yeah I don't really know what bachelorette in paradise is today I was actually like reading a list of like how many bachelorettes were still together a bachelor bachelorette and I, I mean i didn't know any of them or have any context because yeah. i've never seen it but i'm just like every single season is like a white person oh absolutely a white, a white couple like, this is like the first time that it hasn't been i know it's like such a popular show but i'm like how can people watch that over and over again right <laughs> like that sounds so damn boring well because it's white people they like just see like a new shade of mayonnaise or like cheese or yeah, whatever like the that's crazy that to me like to but it's not cute but yeah the bachelor is just a full mess we can totally get into it because people have like killed themselves after being on that show i didn't know they like psychologically torment you it's like fun i like um what else and that's so then i'm listening to oh wait no i said that already i like put it in a list and my list from last week is like right under it i'm like wait i wasn't listening to frank ocean this week um Oh, so then how legacy of colonization is affecting me, kind of going on to The Bachelorette being, like, all white and, like, me not understanding why people, how there's a market for that. Like, I've just been thinking recently about just, like, how important it is for me personally to, like, have friendships of color, relationships of color, like, listen to music of color, eat ethnic food of color, just, like, it's, like, I was raised in, like, very, like, Caribbean, black, African, like, neighborhoods and like cultural experiences like I'm not like one of these churches who's like I wanted to be white or like internalized like anti-blackness so it's just like being around like people of color who like only have white friends or like don't really have like a community of people of color I'm like that I feel bad for you son like I just can't not be around like people of color also like I love talking about white supremacy and it's like if you don't want to talk about that with me I don't know. We're just going to be like talking on Hamilton, I guess. And I will bring up white supremacy, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But I've just been thinking about that recently. And I'm sure these dynamics will come up when we talk about what it's like to apply to college and be in college as a student of color. Um, So, yeah, let's get into it. I'm excited about this episode because these are our favorite topics. Yeah, this is the only topic I care about, actually. Like, I ever tend to care about (laughs) everything else, but I mainly only care about this. (laughs) So the first thing, I'm going to throw this in the reading list. It's an essay called Fake Diversity and Racial Capitalism by Nancy Leong. And she's a professor at the University of Denver Law School. Um, And it said in her bio, like, she teaches and researches constitutional rights and discrimination. And she actually, like, coined the term racial capitalism. I was like, love. Like, that's goals. Um, So her essay is about how, (coughs) or it starts off um, talking about how institutions, and not just schools, but also, like, companies like Walmart and whatever, Mm -hmm. will showcase their diversity and, like, how that's becoming fashionable. Or maybe has like 
well, not always been fashionable, but, like, now that people are more talking about how, like, important diversity is and, like, how necessary it is, like, yeah. everyone to throw, like, some faces of color right. on their advertising, on their websites. And she, like, pointed mm-hmm. out that, like, even places that have been sued for discrimination, like, not even just racial, but also, like, gender discrimination, right. will <clears throat> will be showcasing their diversity in this fake way. Um, and she points out a few examples where it's like obviously faked, like literally schools photoshopping were, kids like, of color so, into their advertising. It was advertising. like the worst Photoshop jobs of all time. Right? Like, yeah, it was so bad. It was so bad. It was clearly like a different background. They like didn't like cut it. It was, it was just like so three bad. kids like in the sunshine, and then one girl like in a, standing in front of a and, brick like, wall. Used Dan, basically, it's it like those so people aren't next to each other, and like they wouldn't be also. Yeah. But I had a story about this because like. I worked in the intercultural center at my Alma and one year like during we had like we came back to school early to do staff training and this year like my family got a flat tire so like I fully missed this like on the way there but they were doing a photo shoot with um the staff of the intercultural center which was like literally in admissions so in the pictures they had like the blonde white girl there was an African girl and there was like an Indian American girl and it's like we did like each other like we were or we became friends since it was literally our first day meeting like as we got trained for this job but it's like you literally went to the intercultural center where you know that there's going to be a diverse group of student workers to like make a photo shoot and like in the um advertisements and like campus brochures that we got at my house when my sister was applying they like had like my co-workers from the ICC like <laughs> laughing as they walk through campus and I was like this is fully staged Absolutely. even though like when my friend group takes a pic like we do no. like, university <laughs> ad, which is deeply important to me um and so one of the um stats that um professor leong puts in this is that like a recent study of 371 college and university view books found that black and asian students were overrepresented by 50 percent of photographs in relative or relative to their actual presence in student mm-hmm. body um so all that goes into this term which created racial capitalism and she describes that as the process of an individual or group deriving value from the racial identity of another person and she says like this could technically happen in any like racial groups but since like white people are uh majority in America racial capitalism is usually when white people or a predominantly white institution extracts value from a non-white racial identity and it's like of course we've all thought about that but to like read that and conceptualize it I was like that is so interesting because we talk about like performative allyship we've talked about that a lot before but like they're literally using this for their benefit to like get people interested to get people think they'll be safe at these schools and you're just like using literally brown faces to do that and just taking that value from these people and their images while it's literally not even diverse on your campus right that's so true and even um the only reason why diversity even became a thing at least in colleges i don't really know the history of it as much anywhere else but in colleges is because they were doing it to make white students more worldly essentially so either way that's still an argument yeah so like none of this will like I guess you can make the argument that, I mean, obviously going to college does have its benefits, but like when black students are, black college grads are making, what's the stat? Is it 
less than white high school dropouts or yeah i feel like it's something like that or like yeah yeah people without a degree yeah like when that's the like statistic there that value of them going to college is obviously less than the value that the white person is getting from that person being in the like by sharing like a classroom with black students by hearing their ideas and like I don't know just whatever exchanges happen at a college campus no yeah there's definitely it's like obviously it's important for me and for you to like have diversity at our universities but the ads are definitely geared towards white people and it's like look like you can have some students of color like you can learn from them and it's like you literally will it's like just in the same way that um, advertising will extract value from them, like these white students will literally learn everything from exactly. them. Exactly. And then steal all their just knowledge. just having a voice of color in your class. Right. Literally steal ideas, run like full entire clubs on them, write theses on them, like get credit for answering a question in class. I forget also what I was going to say when you were talking. <laughs> I response, but I forget what it was. Let me see. So then the next thing that she sort of tied that into, like, it explains how white people, like, love to tell you, like, about all their friends of color. Like, oh, my sister is married to a black person. Mm -hmm. I live in such a diverse neighborhood. It's like, you're probably a gentrifier. Yeah. And you're making it undiverse by moving into the diverse neighborhood. (laughs) Right. It's It's going to become all white pretty soon. And then, and just, like, in general, like, they have an incentive to display their affiliation with POC. And, like, a lot of that is, like, so they won't be thought of as racist. And it's, like, um, it doesn't literally work that way. Right. And one of the things that she says is, like, she goes into the problems with this. And one of them is, like, it's a shortcut. Like, it just, obviously, like, making a racial racial diversity at your school and actually like legitimate racial diversity where students of color like feel safe and feel like their ideas are heard and aren't always protesting shit like not just black faces on your the images on campus or faces of color um (coughs) like that's actually hard work right and it's and like if we think that diversity is important she says like you should actually value the real thing and even on our alma like I remember like around campus there were some I don't really know how to it's like permanent like a permanent poster situation like on the stands where there were directions or whatever there'd be like a picture of students (laughs) and like so many of them were like students of color like performing at like the cultural events that the ICC put on or something and it's like there's literally a huge poster of like a South Asian person and like traditional costume and it's like why is this displayed here so big on this like three percent asian school actually i think well for asia i know they mix south and east asia i think it was like actually 15 percent, but like still that school was like 70 percent white right um but there's like no incentive to actually showcasing the truth of like right that it's a much a predominantly white campus like no one is going to be supportive of that mm-hmm. um i remember my point though And it was just about like the donors because even them like they want um, there's this book that's really good. It's called The Enigma of Diversity. It's by the sociologist Ellen Berry. But she like tracked um, the University of Michigan Law School and I think also the college um, because they were one of the like most contentious uh, affirmative action cases post the University of California one. And then we had the Texas one 
fairly recently. But like what they what colleges want is exceptionally brilliant in quotes students of color or like underrepresented students which means ones that obviously can perform and look like they're of color and you know wear traditional garb like talk different languages all this kind of stuff that like ethnicizes someone but then also like have the same essentially just be white in other senses in like white of color yes (laughs) (laughs) yes a full white of color yeah, that's so what they want God. yeah no i feel like we've so talked when, about that before like the diversity that they want is like the top level of kids of color whereas right. like white kids it's like you could have not like your grades could not be as good right i mean could their be grades could actually be bad <laughs> actually yeah like the, like many the whatever like ivanka's husband um apparently like he was a terrible student in high school but because like, his dad donated so much money to Harvard. Him and his younger brother were able to go to Harvard. And I'm like, yeah, literal dumbasses. Like, I was thinking about tweeting the other day. Like, I wish I was white so I could be mediocre. Because oh, literally, fully. you could just fully. do nothing. I definitely, like, tweeted before. Like, I wish I was an ugly Trump supporter so I could have a photo essay about myself in the New York <laughs> Times. Because they were hella doing that for so long. And it was like... A photo essay. <laughs> like, oh my god. Just like, how sad is it that Annabelle voted for Trump and her life is going to get fucked? It's like, what? We're just literally throwing out features in the NYT. Right. Um, mm. Let me see some more of the things that she said. Some more of the examples that she brought up are like, this Republicans are black ad oh, campaign yeah. that literally had like, well, it had like, Republicans are black, Republicans are young, Republicans are like, people who wear glasses, like, I don't know. Um, but mm-hmm. at least for the Republicans of are black, like, it was a stock image. And I was just thinking about that. It's like, literally the Twitter detectives found that very quickly. I because they're like, my I mean, obviously detective. there are some real black Republicans, but it's like, y'all sure. literally just were being lazy and just got a stock image and just mm-hmm. threw republicans are black over it it's like people are gonna find that out like in this day and age like people are not stupid like they're always on the prowl to find out what ad and content creators are fucking up it's like y'all need to do better just literally have kids from twitter design the ads at this point honestly Um, and they'll be memes and then maybe people would actually want to go to college Exactly. <laughs> it's like schools are so bad when they try to do memes. So that's just a full no. Oh. Um, well, because they still are doing memes from like, it's like Willy Wonka memes. Right, with the impact <laughs> and like. <laughs> Literally from on the top and bottom. Um, some more of the problems that she said are like, besides it being a shortcut to actually doing real diversity, like it's deceptive and it, it communicates to the viewer that the institution has actually done the difficult work of establishing diversity when it has not. It's like mm-hmm. anyone can Photoshop, but like a truly diverse institution is much more hard to find. And I don't even remember like the propaganda that I got when I was like applying to college. We'll talk about this a lot more in the next general topic um, about like our experiences applying to colleges and like whatever. I don't really remember seeing like that much diversity, but then it's like, what different? It's like, it wouldn't have really made a difference to me, to be honest. It's like, whatever. I'll just go where I get money. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's definitely like false. And like, that's a disservice to actual students of color because when they see those advertisements in the 
brochures that they get or when they go on campus and they see these big posters everywhere of all the students of color it's like they get a false sense of like what the campus community is actually about and it's like if you actually ask the kids in these photographs well actually i feel like they're usually like like annoying kids of color no that's so true (laughs) any kid who wants a photo op is an annoying kid of color i'm sorry like they're not the ones who are like protesting the lack of diversity right right and they're like we're actually so diverse right they're like i actually love this campus it's perfect i want to be an orientation leader but if you actually ask like the four percent of students of color on the campuses like what it's actually like they're not just smiling diversity posters like they'm sure they have lots of problems with their institutions right and then the last thing, kind of like I talked about, the Republicans are black. She says, like, the ads are cynical because they expect us to be satisfied with these images of fake diversity. And when the Photoshop job is so bad, it's like, do you think we're idiots? Like, Right. Well, that's why I think this is for old people, for parents. Uh, because yeah. they probably, like, they don't know a bad Photoshop one from an amazing one. <laughs> that's actually true. Yeah, because I feel like when kids saw the picture where the black girl is literally in completely different lighting, <laughs> they were like, mm, this. It's like, <laughs> I take selfies me. 40 times a day. I know what different lighting looks like. Right, like that seems fake. I think that's all for the first top. Pretty much, I think. Um. So then the next topic is this article in... Um, what is it called? Chronicle of Higher Education. Yes. Maybe there may be a paywall, but if you want to read it, like we can send it to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's called. It's like sorry, I want the Chronicle of Education of Higher Education to like get their coins, but the subscription was literally a hundred dollars, and there was yeah. no like free trial. Exactly. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. So sorry. The article is called "Where the Journey to College Is No Fairy Tale" by Eric Hoover, and then we're also going to touch on it's like a photo essay in the New York Times. Oh, wasn't I just talking about? <laughs> um, and it's about like kids, seniors who are not going like straight to college, and it's called "Out of High School into Real Life." Um, and so I'll put both of those in the reading list. But I mean, the photo essay is like pretty self-explanatory, but the one in the Chronicle is about. It's a profile on a specific college counselor named Sarah Morgan at this high school in Texas. C. Goville? Is that what? C. Goville? C. Goville. Yeah, I guess. That's how I would say it. It's like Euro Texas. I've never heard of it before this because it's so like South. There's so damn many. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's in Dallas County, nowhere near Gwen, though. No, it would probably take me a full hour to get there. (laughs) Zuri now knows Texas driving. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a profile on her and then of three specific students. Um, and then about the school in general, like, it had 281 seniors, so you can kind of guess how big it is. My school had 47 graduating seniors oh, in my God. year, so I know that, like, schools are much bigger than this, but, like, that seems really big to me. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the students were low income and said that, like, four out of five were eligible for free lunch. Many of them had parents who didn't go to college, and this specific essay was about how, like, a ton of the kids were still waiting on their financial aid, waiting to really decide which school to go to even in may like days before graduation like a lot of kids were still not necessarily undecided like they you know knew where they wanted to go but hadn't been able to make a decision whether it was financial aid or some other reason 
Um, And then the students that it focused on, I know that one was, like, homeless and one was undocumented, but I don't remember, like, what the guy's thing. Oh, the guy was, like, he was, like, a really, like, good, like, high-achieving student, but then he had, like, a problem with, you know, how to pay for college. Yeah. Um, So those are those essays. Literally, that essay made me cry. I was reading on the freaking airplane, and I was, like, I was, (laughs) at first I was, like, oh, my God, this is making me tear up, and then I was, like, I'm fucking crying. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like, why it made me so much, like, I know I'm pussy, but just something about, like, that whole experience, like, was so stressful and, like, annoying for me, so I'm sure, like, it was that, but then also, like, I was texting you earlier, like, this college counselor is white excellence, like, she was just such a good person, like, so selfless, the way that she, like, worked for these kids. So that was also making me so emotional. Right. Um, but I guess we can just start by talking about like our own experiences with the college admissions process, our college counselor, and then just like the general atmosphere for seniors in our high schools in general, if you want to start. True. Yeah. I was like, I mean, my parents are immigrants. Like their number one goal in moving here was like obviously for me to be successful and eventually pay for them to like retire and live like that's like i feel like every immigrants not every but like a lot of people's goals are little turn into doctors (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i don't know if my parents necessarily wanted like that track but they definitely wanted me to at least like get an education to where like i wouldn't have to do manual labor because that's what like a lot of our family in mexico and then my dad's family who mostly immigrated here have done or like cleaning houses like that type of labor um i like knew that I wanted to go to college because that's what my parents kept like on telling me is the way to go. So naturally, like I started researching college early just because like I was depressed in high school. Like I didn't fit in. Like it was a total one of those stories. Like I didn't like make like my really good friends until the latter part of high school because before I had fake friends that I thought I just had to stick with just to have friends. So like I just was so like depressed and like I hated everything. So I was like, you know what? Like I'm looking forward to the next best thing. Like I'm going to go to college. I'm going to kill it. I was still depressed in college, but like that's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it's like actually I brought the depression with me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my hometown thing. It was a me thing. <laughs> but like I started like probably sophomore year of high school just researching stuff and like learning like I would be doing like a college confidential is that the name of it college confidential oh yeah mm-hmm. college prowler which I think is called something different Princeton review like I was on all these sites reading like because also I was one of those people that like cared more about dorms because like <laughs> I didn't know shit about like academics because mm. when you don't have people who like went to college in your immediate like my parents didn't know anything about it so like they couldn't be like oh wow like I've heard they have great faculty here like I don't even think I heard the word faculty before I went to college so it's like what I wanted was like a cute dorm so I could like look cute be cute in my dorm like I wanted like a good like social scene I wanted good food in the cafeteria like that's the kind of stuff I was looking for because that's what I like could relate to so I was like And as I was reading more, and I know this article touches on it, is thinking about like how much money state schools could actually give versus how much money private schools could give. Um, And I learned pretty quickly that if you could get into like a private school, sometimes they could give more money than some of the public state schools. So I applied um, 
to I ended up applying I don't even remember where exactly I applied to I applied obviously to my alma I think I applied to like I only remember three of the schools I applied to one of them was my alma one of them was Northwestern and the other one was and just to be clear I only applied to Northwestern because a lot of famous people go there like this is my college thinking like (laughs) I don't like I didn't know anything about the like places I was applying to I just like had like literal little like I was like oh like in Devil Wears Prada and Hathaway went to Northwestern so I feel like that's cute and chic and she worked at like a Vogue like that's like my thinking and then um if you're like top 10 I think for UT it's like slightly more competitive but like in Texas if you're in top 10 percent you can like just apply to any school and you're gonna get it in financial aid is a total different story but like you'll get accepted and so um, I got into UT through that law, whatever. Uh, and I remember my Brandeis financial aid letter came in the mail before I got accepted to Brandeis. And I was like, OK, like cute, whatever. And then I got my financial aid letter. And like it was like so much money. Like I got like a surplus of what it would cost. I mean, a lot of it, not a lot of it, but like some of it was loans. But like I still managed to get a surplus of what it would cost to attend the school for a year so I showed my mom and I was like okay done go sign up like you're going to that school and I'm like well mom like I don't even know if I'm in the other schools and my mom's like uh they're giving you money so like you need to appreciate that and you're going to that school like for my family it and like I I was just trying to like think of it like through like a person who has like I guess like a lot of decisions like or a lot of choices that I can make like a decision based on like the numerous choices that I have but like my mom was like literally like no like this school is giving you money um you don't even know like if the other schools are going to give you this much money so like go sign up whatever so then I remember I didn't get into Northwestern but at UT they like I would have like a little bit of a deficit with how much it cost but more of what they were giving me was like loans versus like scholarships and grants so it definitely made more sense to go to Brandeis and I just like or sorry I said the name of the school I feel like I said it so many times did I say it yes no (laughs) I mean whatever it's not a secret it's not a secret but um it made more sense to go there anyway because even though like UT like on paper it looks like it costs less it didn't end up costing less Mm -hmm. for me and I remember even telling people like oh I'm going to Brandeis like whatever like I was telling some of my teachers and a lot of them have never heard of the school because like it's the south it's like people don't know that school um but like some of them that did the they were like Gwen can you afford that (laughs) and I was like um well they're giving me a lot of like financial aid like I don't I don't know what to tell you And then they kept on being like, Gwen, you should honestly like go to community college or you should go to like a state school because like you're going to come out with a lot of loans. And like I did come out with like loans, but I'm pretty sure if I would have gone to UT, I would have come out with more loans. So really, I don't know what and I didn't apply to any other. I'm sure I could have because a lot of them are ruling admissions. But like UT was the other choice. And I don't know that it just wasn't sustainable. But I did want to mention just before I finish that like we didn't have a college admissions counselor because in my high school like most people didn't go to college. I think like maybe like 40% went to college or community college. But like the other 60% didn't go to college. They just like went straight into the workforce. 
So like we had like counselors that would like would primarily probably talk to people about like behavioral issues or any of those sorts of stuff. So like they weren't really like skilled in, you know, being a college counselor. And even though Miss Morgan talks about like this was her first counselor job, she didn't know how to mm. do it. Like the people at my school weren't trying because I would come <laughs> in with like questions that they had no idea what the answer was to or what the answer was to the questions. And I'm like, okay, like you guys are supposed to be the counselors and like advising me. Why aren't you doing your jobs? So a lot of it was like fell onto me. So definitely like if there's not even someone like Miss Morgan, that's her name, right? Miss Morgan, Miss mm-hmm. Morgan in like a school, if students aren't doing the work by themselves or if they don't, you just need resources. That's basically it. I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> oh that's me i'm like sweating now from telling that story. <laughs> i know we should have broken it up actually after each thing but whatever we already did it um yeah like i said like my school was very small so it actually did have like a hundred percent like college acceptance rate like if you applied like you would got in somewhere and we had an amazing college counselor like she actually just retired last week like I went to her party she's like what are you doing next she's like you should come over to my house I'll help you like learn how to knit my mom gave her a gift she's like it's hanging in our living room like we love it like we're literally like very close like like, kept in touch I see her all the time she likes my instas like we're on that level and so I was like really blessed in that way like I don't even know like I had never like thought about college or cared about college like my parents didn't go to college um but my mom like did go back to school so like she does have a degree now I think when I was in college like she was also love college. that yeah so I'm, like, I didn't I'm, know that I'm like am I still technically a first generation it's like whatever um <laughs> I'm not trying to steal your shine. I just want to be as suppressed as possible. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I don't like because I went to like that high school, like I was like applying to college, like was the thing I would think about. But or not that I would think about it until I was literally a senior. But like I could not name five colleges like as a junior, freshman, right. sophomore. Like yes. it really was not until I got to my senior. Is you applying senior year, right? Yeah. Senior year, right, that I even like started doing any research like that and I remember like I guess after you take like PSAT or SAT like you know schools know that you exist and they like start sending you mail and shit and I remember like I totally forgot about that no I yeah I remember like I would like save like every piece of mail that I got like in a box and just like put under my bed I'd be like oh like think about this later and so it was literally the summer before like senior year that I like actually like took them all out and like started to do research it was like my parents I don't I mean this was a while ago I don't remember them ever being like you shouldn't go to college but like they were never like like you said like they didn't like go to school so like they didn't know like where to apply I like live in New York City and there's obviously a lot of good like city schools so they just assumed that like I would go to one of them especially my mom she was like you cannot afford to go anywhere else um and I applied to 12 schools like most of them were like city or state schools um I think like at least like six were and then I applied to like a couple private schools in New York State and then two private schools in Massachusetts my very top choice was Emerson and like I did apply to the honors program because that had like a half tuition scholarship and I did get in but like like we'll talk about like I had like a 
a gap between like the, my financial aid and like like I needed full tuition basically, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I like started to learn as I as I got my acceptances um, because it became like pretty clear that like it wasn't like oh like are my parents can pay like a couple stacks it was like you need like a hundred percent of tuition yeah. covered like my parents weren't gonna pay anything it's like my parents um, couldn't buy me a mini fridge so right <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we'll talk about that because that comes up too um but yeah I feel like I just remember like you also said just like having resources like doing all the research doing all that stuff like going to college visits like my parents were not at all involved in that and like it's not like any fault of theirs but like besides like doing the like financial aid thing like that was the minimum like I did all the research online like you did you saw I went on I actually did go on one college visit with my mom like that was nice um (laughs) and I went to see the Emerson my top choice they like had a boss so I went out with my sister um but like I just remember being like so not like I don't know what the word is like it's not lonely but like it was very much like I had to be like proactive like if I wanted to do this and at some point I was like I want to like get out of New York I don't want to like live at home or go to school here so I had to really like see what my options were and how to do that and and I didn't even, like, I couldn't name any colleges. So I would just, like, go to my college counselor's room and, like, see a cute poster and be like, okay, I'm going to apply, like, to that place. Like, it looks cool. I don't remember what, like, website I was on, but, like, it had, like, pie charts of, like, different schools. And I remember, like, really being into this, like, I guess, like, if it was good, like, the pie chart would be mostly green and the bad part would be red. I'd be like, okay, this school is, like, a really good rating. Like, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll apply there. Fully a yeah, and, like, moment. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and like reading about like his experiences. Um, let me see. But then yeah, it all came down to financial aid. And that was like one of the main things in this essay. Um, mm-hmm. they are talking about like choices. And I and I still right. talk about this like all the time. Um, so one of the things that this article like or essay talks about is that like an acceptance does not mean you have access to higher education. Yes. And, like, I know that we were saying, like, we really identified with the students in this, but, like, also, like, we went to, like, a great college. Like, we have minimal student loans compared to some people. And, like, yes. we're – so we're also, like, privileged in that sense. But, like, definitely remember feeling this, like, when I was doing the college process. Like, I got in everywhere I applied, and I literally had, like, no chance to go to any of them but the one that gave me the most financial aid. And just like you were saying with the, um, like, state schools, like, I applied to state schools and city schools that, like, the fact that I would have to take out a loan, my parents would have to take out a loan, like, didn't make sense when this private school was giving me almost full tuition. Right. And so they were saying that, like, this idea of a kid, like, weighing different schools, like, qualities against each other, like, to find their right fit, like, that's a luxury. And so many people, like, don't realize that, like, for me, like, I had a lot of problems with my Alma, obviously, because I was, like, a poor black kid, and it was, like, a culture shock for me. Like, I was always, like, doing activism. I was purchasing. I was writing, like, statuses on my Facebook at, like, how dumb the school was and the students were. (laughs) And I remember, like, some people from my high school and stuff would be, like, 
oh my god like you hate your school so much and like my sister goes there now like obviously I was the one who was like you should apply there and they're like why would you like tell your sister to go there if you hate it so much and I was like poor people don't have choices like I don't know if you're like aware of this and like for me like when I was getting all these acceptances I didn't I basically didn't have a choice I was like right. well this one gave was financially like I was lucky enough to like go visit it and like I didn't hate it like I did meet like some cool kids who are still like my best friends and that was like very lucky but like when I got the financial aid part of it I was like unless I like literally fucking hate this place when I go see it like I'm going here that's what's right. happening and I didn't know anything <laughs> about it um but but yeah so I'm always like I don't wait quick mm -hmm. question mm -hmm. did you get invited to seed I don't think so but I don't remember okay maybe I think actually I the the thing that I went up to visit was like a seed thing like a diversity oh but for Emerson thing. no for, for okay um, yeah for artists, so. oh for because I do remember I got invited to seed and my parents were like I was like oh yeah like you mean parents, before, co before college? Well, it was that, before I think you got it was accepted? like in December or like, yeah. like right before you apply. Right. They're like, oh, come check out our school. And I think you had to apply for like a travel grant or something. It was like not an extensive right. process. But like once I told my parents, like they were so scared. They're like, when you're not going there, like we can't afford that. And I was like, oh, well, like they're paying for everything. And they were shocked. They were like, <laughs> why? I'm like, okay, parents, they're paying for everything. So I think like that also like could sway I don't know. Like, I don't know if you went to seed, but that definitely swayed me into thinking like, oh, like maybe these kind of relating back to the previous article, like, oh, maybe they do care about like people like me who are like first gen, like child of immigrants, like all that kind of stuff, because they did invite me to the seed and they did give me so much money. I was thinking that like it would be like a happy experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just want I just looked up seed because it's like people who don't know Rama don't know what that is. Um, oh, and yes. it stands for Students <laughs> Exploring and Embracing Diversity. I didn't go to, like, a seed thing before college, but I do think that the, like, write-up was for seed because there were uh, there were only kids of color okay. on it. Um, but that was after I got there. Was, it was for admitted students, Jay, so it's, like, after I had already been accepted. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I don't know. I remember, like, because I worked in the Intercultural Center, like, I would do some... Like, we would do events for seed kids in our building, and I hosted one of my friends who got into seed, and so I met, like, a lot of the other kids, and it's, like, maybe it's fake, but, like, I literally met my best friends in seed, <laughs> like, because of that, so, like, whatever, I guess it's working, um, but, yeah, so it's like people who have this experience of like, oh, um, gee, I got all these acceptances. Like, let me sit them all down and like pick which one I'm going to. Yeah. I can go to my top. It's like that's subprivilege. And even kids who get tons of acceptances, it's they don't have that experience. Um, okay. And the next thing this, was like talking. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say this makes me think of like that social media trend of like these kids show like being like i got accepted to 20 colleges those and how like are insane to me it, it's so insane but i'm like what like can i have like a follow-up on this like what's happening like you got accepted to 20 colleges like well i feel like those kids well or are they giving you like, a good package really brilliant like get a ton of it well yeah those if are they always get like the IVs, success I feel like stories they'll be fine. yeah like um gee they got into right. every single ivy and it's like that application process but I've seen is some not desirable. What the fuck? <laughs> you did a lot. That's why but I'm I've always seen, shook by yeah. those. 
Right. Because you essentially have to write like 20 different essays or 10 exactly. different essays. Or like you applied you to 20-something schools. That's a lot of work. What? And Absolutely. it's, I mean, I don't know if it's necessary or not. I well, I mean, <coughs> no, to be honest. Not when it's like these literally brilliant kids. Yeah. It's like, you didn't really need to do that. But then also, like, obviously I had, like, fee waivers for everything. <coughs> I oh, guess all same. Kids oh, my God. We have waivers, to talk about right? the politics of fee waivers. What are the politics of fee waivers? No, just, like, I would <laughs> – I only applied to however many fee wa- – if I had another fee waiver, I would choose a school and apply to it. Like, I, that's why I don't remember <laughs> the names of them because I would apply to, like, small lower art schools in bumfuck Oregon and not remember. And I was like, well, I don't, like, particularly want to go here, but, like – the dorms are kind of cute and have a fee waiver, so I'm going to apply. Like, no, literally, the thought process. Or, like, for the PSAT, for the SAT, right, for the yeah, exams, for the all SAT fee too. Yeah, yeah, so that's definitely the only way I could have applied to, like, multiple schools. Like, no one's paying real money. Even, like, one of the financial aid things, like, you have to pay for, like, CSS profile. And I was like, <gasps> oh. sorry, Mom, I do need you to give me some money for that. Like, right and that was no every single goddamn year yeah and also that true. reminds me because my counselors since they were like not gifted in this area like they knew about fafsa but like they didn't know about css profile so i was like uh i have to fill this out like i don't is it like the fafsa like i don't know and they'd be like yeah i don't know <laughs> and it's like you're supposed to help me yeah right like what the hell yikes um but yeah, then one of the next like things that came up in the thing is the uh, price gap between like oh I spelled aid wrong the aid that you get <laughs> and what you can afford and like right. obviously for my top choice I had like an eight thousand dollar I don't know if I said the price <laughs> but uh, I had an eight thousand dollar pay gap my dad was like oh, I'll pay it and it's like how <laughs> I was like mm, don't worry about it like what the hell and then even colleges like literally go up every year it's like one of the oh, kids yeah. in the essay like he he goes to like his top choice and he's like I maybe will only be able to go here for a year and then like have to drop out yes. because he was like even if I only have to go there for a year and drop out it's worth it right and it's like a lot of the state schools will also like have that or city schools like and it's like, if a pay gap is like a thousand bucks, like maybe, th- I think my, like you have to have health insurance at my school. And so I think like, that's like the only thing that my parents paid for. But it's like, for some families, like they cannot do anything. And like a lot right. of the kids were, they were like, my parents like don't work. Like my parents aren't going to sign on a loan. And it's like, even they had to like write to like ask for more aid get scholarships or whatever they have to like literally get a job as soon as they get there and it's like i was like honestly just take out loans but whatever it's like our school was so expensive so i do have a warped idea because they were like this college is thirty thousand dollars a year i'm like take out a loan our school was like twice that much but then it's like you have loans yeah well ut was thirty thousand dollars a year but like my loans would have been like fifteen thousand dollars a year and at brand it was like eight thousand dollars a year so it's like why wouldn't i go to the other school you know yeah fully i mean i had like i think twenty four thousand when i graduated in lunds but like there are kids who had like 80 100 yeah and it's like is insane you did not get a good deal yes (laughs) university 
It's like when our school is two hundred fifty thousand dollars and I had to pay back twenty four. It's like that's a bargain. So I'm Seems mad. Like a, yeah, <laughs> it's like I love so sales, I have to pay that back, so. but it's like I got a deal. I'm a maxinista. Yes. Eighty thousand for your undergrad degree. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and then like another thing, like one of the kids was like, she like got into one school and she got like a full ride, but then she got into another school and she was like. Should I go visit? Like, what if I fall in love with it and I cannot oh go God, to it? Yes. I was like, oh, my yeah, God, babies. Yeah. And just, like, not – it's, like, you already know, like, your circumstances, so you don't even try to, like, tempt yourself with something that yeah. you might like more. Like, a lot of the kids in the essay were just having that struggle of being, like, I know exactly what I want to do. I know where I want to go, but, like – Mm-hmm. I can't do that and I need to like settle right now and that's like obviously hard when you're like 17 18 right and you have like literally no control over show yes. well it just it like that part like hurt me so much because like she didn't like she didn't want to allow herself to like dream because if right. it didn't become a like a reality then like she would be crushed obviously and like I that was just like let me find the exact um quote um what was her name? Her name was Victoria. Victoria. And this was the girl who was homeless. Um, and she was like working um, to like help her mother out for groceries and stuff. But like she was, it says she was torn after. Um, well, Miss Morgan like was the one, she was like the type of person that I encouraged the students to like apply to like more like higher tier schools or whatever. So she encouraged Victoria to apply to a diff- an out-of-state college that, like, had originally sparked her interest. But she was like, no, like, after one college puts a golden ticket in your hand, was it foolish to think about going anywhere else? And that's this – I forget where – was it, like, bad with money? I know it was Malls, who I love. Um, she's a podcaster. She does, like – she's all over the scene. But, like, she – in some podcast, she was talking about, like, poor people mindset, which, like, I'm not sure – is like a official thing but like to me it made a lot of sense is when you have money you spend it or like when you get an opportunity you take it because you don't know the next time that that's going to happen so that like highlighted that for me because she had this if she tried to go for the other thing and like got in and decided to go and like for some reason couldn't make ends meet she missed out on this other opportunity that was already fully paid for so that like I don't that really resonated with me and it just made me I don't even more upset about like they go on to talk about the article or in the article about like students who had like applied early decision which happens in like October November so if you already know like and are accepted by like December or January or whenever they're accepted for early decision. Like there are students who are, they like know what they want. They're going to get it. They get in. They don't even have to worry about anything else. Or then there's like the people who get to choose like their pick of colleges because whatever their parents will pay for it or like they have a trust fund, whatever. But then there are students who don't even give themselves opportunity to apply to more than one school because they're afraid that that's going to get taken away from them, which I feel like is something that never even crosses other populations' minds that don't have to deal with that. Or like the kid who like wanted to go to Texas Tech, which he did get that like grant. There was like an update on the article and he did get the grant. So he is going to be going to Texas Tech for at least his freshman year because he was also the one that was like, even if I have to drop out. But he was like, I don't want to be logical when it comes to something that's so important to me. I don't want to like settle. And it's just... I don't know like this 
when they like talk about like schools as soulmates and that reminds me so much of like relationships and love there's like 40 year old women that are like oh I don't want to have to settle for it and it's like well the thing is like it's a shitty circumstance like this is not on you but like I don't I don't it just like reminded me of just like the shitty cards that people are dealt and then like I don't know no yeah and then they also talk about how like even when poor kids like get scholarships their financial hardships do not disappear and like a lot of the kids like Mm -hmm. knowing that they would need to work and then the literal thing that made me cry was the kid who like couldn't even buy like a shirt with his school on it for like the college acceptance day and so miss morgan bought him one i was so emotional at that like obviously we've talked about before like literally being in college is so expensive and it's like literally went back to sit school one semester with 11 dollars in my bank account like I could not buy my textbooks I could not participate in class and I had a great scholarship right (laughs) so it's like that actually means nothing that's true do you need right it's like I mean, doesn't end there right I mean especially when it comes to like social capital and like having a social life in college like right every we went to like a school where a lot of people were rich so like people thought it was a no-brainer to like go out to dinner and like order in and like do all this other stuff and it's like I can't afford that like it's right. just so much money and like like people say money like that's stupid like money won't buy you happiness and it's like yeah it will like it We'll buy you a social life. You'll have friends and we'll be slightly less depressed. It's like money will buy you happiness and give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> like um, you're clearly yeah. spending it wrong. Right. No, that's so true. But this also reminds me like at my because I work at a community college now and like when people get like their Pell Grants or like whatever form of financial aid that they're getting, they use it to live. They use it to pay like their electricity bills. Right. And yeah. like their like car payments, whatever they need to survive. Like. That's why so many of them, like, choose to look for classes that, like, don't require a book or, like, they have an embedded textbook online. Um, Or, like, I felt like this was actually more common at my Alma, but the fact that, like, well, actually, this is illegal, so maybe I I don't want to say. But, like, teachers would provide the resources for students um, rather than, like, or, like, even I had some teachers that, like, would lend out books. Like, I remember borrowing books. Or there was, like, a lending library um, that was, like, financial aid. Like, you got, like, a waiver or something. But that was, like, not something that was, like, visible to students. Like, you had to go look for it. Um, I remember, like, someone telling me about it, like, my junior year. Um, I didn't even know before then. So at, like, the community college level, I was asking around. That doesn't exist, at least in my school. It may exist in other schools, but it doesn't mine. And, like, I, I feel like it even the kind of reputation that some of these students get like working in my office like a lot of the staff or the faculty are like yeah these kids are so lazy like they don't want to buy like a textbook they only want to like look for classes that don't have a textbook they just want an easy a and it's like no it's not that they want that it's like they don't have money so they'd rather just take the classes that don't require a 300 textbook it's completely ridiculous so like once you're even in college people can still like you being poor is going to reflect badly on you morally wise. Like they're going to think of you as like not a good student, not a good person because say you can't afford a textbook, which is completely just, uh, just gross. I know. It's, 
so sad. And then the the other thing in the New York Times a photo essay, like obviously it was just like a lot of rural kids who are like, I want to work in my dad's auto company. But the one that like stuck out to me was the undocumented student. She was like, I cannot get like financial aid because like some schools do offer tuition for undocumented. Mm-hmm. Not schools. Did I say schools? I don't know if I said schools or states, but it's like apparently only 20 states that offer uh, college tuition for undocumented students. And she was like, if I was in Mexico, like I could have gone to college, I would have gotten financially. And it's like she came to America when she was a child. So like Like, fully had no choice in it. And now like she doesn't have access to those opportunities. And in the other essay, there was an undocumented student too who um I feel like she like got a scholarship to a community college or something and she was like I yes. want to go yeah. to a like a four-year college but then by the end she was like I'm proud of myself right but also but she was the talk- only interesting one she was what the only interesting one in the photo essay oh yeah no because the other ones were like like, who did you vote for? Like, it was that sort of situation for me. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. It's like, before I cry at this story, who did you vote for? Who did your parents vote for? Because they probably actually couldn't vote, most of them. Actually, oh, 18, yeah, I guess it depends. Yeah, if they turned 18. Or I think you have to be, like, 17, like, two months. Right, yeah. They probably didn't vote if they're high school yeah. senior. Um, so it's who did your parents vote for? <laughs> <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to mention in the other essay is when they talked about how like the FAFSA came out in October instead of January to try to give um, people more leeway and have them use like taxes from two previous years ago to like alleviate any stress make it easier for students to apply and it ended up being that like um at least all of the students miss morgan most of the students miss morgan interacted with had to actually send in more verification documents right to yeah. verify, i had like, no idea income. that was a thing yeah which i didn't know if you didn't use like that irs tool that like they would randomly choose people to verify and like you would probably be one of them and yeah a lot of these forms are like hard to get right and it's like it's like you literally only want financially and then they're like oh just get like your birth certificate social security card your family's taxes like all these things to like prove how poor you are and it's like yeah first of all like that's something where you then do need to pull your parents in and it's like that might not be an easy thing to do and i didn't have any idea that like even in like may june like people were still waiting on financial aid like that's or like waiting to choose like their college to go where to go to and even at the end of it it was saying that like by the time some of these kids like hear a thing like there literally won't be any aid left for them from these colleges gave it all away right like that's and then, it, of course, like, the students were like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to get all these verification documents. Or, like, I don't understand how to do it. And mm-hmm. that's, it's like, there's so many barriers. And they're literally, they're children. Right. But I did love And the to me, just like, yes, I loved her. But, like, these institutions just, like, not trusting these kids and thinking that they're going to scam them. It's like, no. This right. is like a 17-year-old kid that wants to study. It's exactly. not that serious. Um, no, but, but do you remember? I was, um, 
what were you gonna say because this is a total i'm just saying even when i was in college like especially with the fact that it went up in price every year like we still had to prove we were poor in order for them to be like "Mm, you guys we can't pay this (laughs) like who the fuck do you think we are no literally (laughs) i remember like my um going into my senior year my dad had to take out money out of his like 401k because my grandpa died so my mom had to do like an emergency trip to Mexico to see him and they saw that and they're like okay like since you took out like five thousand dollars or whatever like oh my god guess you're not poor anymore and so I was like they like raised it to where I would have to pay like out of pocket like ten thousand dollars and it's like um what there's no way I can afford this so I literally had to do one of those like appeals like a financial aid appeal i had to right, do like a petition yeah. like it was like back and forth because i full there was no, like it's like oh okay so you want me to drop out because there's if i right, can't afford yeah. to pay this like there's nothing i can do yeah my mom would literally like email them and be like it's not happening so you're going to, need to give my children more aid like i don't know who you think we are but i'm not gonna right. pay that right and it's like i know y'all have money you invest in prisons you have a lot of money but then i even know some kids who like their age change like their financial situation changed and like they had to either like take out more loans or like drop out like i know a few kids who had to drop out because they like weren't getting aid and then one of my friends like i don't i think her someone like in her family like bought like her dad bought a restaurant or something they were like okay you're rich now and she had to take out like a ton of loans but that also made me think of those tweets where like the kids are like going like really hard for prom and someone quote rts and tags (laughs) (laughs) they're like fast but you seeing this it's like a kid wearing like a diamond encrusted dress to prom in a limo i'm like that is so yeah, funny. So some of these kids are literally going to prom in Ferraris. It's like, actually, FAFSA. Right. I love those posts. Um, Even though I yeah, love a prom last thing you wanted to That's say. not corny. Um, well, I just wanted to read this article. It's about that undocumented student. They call her Miss C, I think. Um, like but, MC at initials. Um, they're like, after learning English, she read everything she could. Junie B. Jones and Captain Underpants, then Frankenstein and Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, oh my god! I just loved her so much after I read that she read Junie B. Jones and Captain Underpants because I was like, right. she's so It's like cute. they should actually switch everything. those around. Yeah. It's like Jane Austen to Junie B. Jones. Literally leveling <laughs> off. <laughs> oh Honestly, god. probably the last book I finished was a Junie B. Jones book, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> I loved her. Like, I'm just like, I hope all these kids, like, have a good college experience. I know. I like, And I love, I love the so much. counselor. I love her, too. Like, she's so critical. Her and her used Prius. I was like, she was giving us real Tammy Taylor. In yeah, they were, the article was like, like, she <laughs> microwaved her lunch and didn't eat it for four hours. <laughs> Like, she didn't touch her coffee. I'm like, literally, the sacrifices you're making for the kids. Like, it's crazy that schools literally don't have them. Yes. And I love that, like, her office was, like, the hangout spot. Like, all the kids would come over and just ask her questions. (laughs) And when it's like she yelled at a kid who doesn't, like, what are you doing with your life? I'm like, (laughs) honestly, me, like, I don't have the patience. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. except i'd probably be yelling at kid number one 
I'd be like, uh, what? What did you do? What did you put on your FAFSA? And they'd fire me on the spot. But, like, I was also sad because they were like, yeah, her office doesn't have any windows. I'm like, oh, my God. I know, yeah. They can't even get her a room with a view. She probably sees more students than the vice principal. I know. But I did love Miss Morgan. Yeah, white excellence. Yeah. So, yeah, that's white excellence for the week. Um, (laughs) We are... Probably our first and last time that we'll be applauding. It's like we don't have this week in white feminist fuckery. A white person actually did something so good for... That's like literal and how to be an ally. It's like punching yes. Richard Spencer in the face and being a college counselor for kids of color. It's like that or giving one. me your money. Only three <laughs> ways to be an ally. Like name a more iconic trio, I'll wait. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is episode 45. We're Saggles Club Podcast and you can go to our website Saggles podcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Saggles at Saggles Podcast, yeah. Um Pass that on now. Yes. We'll see you soon. Or talk to you soon. Bye. We'll see you on Twitter. Follow us. Bye. Yes, follow. <laughs>